everybody. Welcome to today's Two Saints podcast show. Myself, Mark C, and my co-host, Mark H. Hi, Mark. How you doing? Yeah, well, it's been a bit of a catastrophic week, really, hasn't it? You know, um, yes. You know, sixth, sixth defeat uh, on the spin. Um, yes, Ralph has sadly set another record in the fact we've lost six on the spin for the first time. Not in good. Our history. But, but and the other worrying thing is he's actually now lost more home games than any other Saints manager. That's a worrying stat. So thank God our away form's been good. <laughs> our, our away form's been outstanding. Yeah. But but Mark, Mark, I just want to say this: he's still a man for the job. Absolutely, back Ralph, one hundred percent. Still, still a man for the job. Um, and in the meantime, I hope all the the listeners are keeping well and staying safe, mate. Absolutely, and I hope they've all um, got themselves lined up ready for their vaccines that we're all hoping to get very fairly soon. Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on swiftly, coming up in the first half of the show today, we have the two Saints review of Wolves nil, Saints 2 in the FA Cup, and Saints 1, Wolves 2 in the league, and Saints Club News. So, we will be straight back after a very brief break. Just to remind you all, you can contact us via our email address, the two Saints podcast show at outlook.com, for questions or items you'd like to hear in future shows. You can listen to the radio show on Fiesta 95FM in Southampton and via onlineradiobox.com. Also, the Two Saints podcast show is now available via Spotify, Overcast, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podbean, or via our Facebook page, The Two Saints Show, and our YouTube channel, The Two Saints Podcast Show. Right, so, the Two Saints review of Wolves Nil Saints 2 in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Saints march into the quarterfinals. Ralph Hassenhutl, huge pride as Saints return to winning ways, and Salas is excited about the future. So, Mark, Saints march into the quarterfinals. Um, yeah, 2-0, job done, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing is, is obviously Nuno decided that he was going to play an understrength team against us, and we, and we went with the best team we could have put out possible, and, you know, as soon as, as, soon as I'd looked at the lineup. Mark, I thought to myself, well, this this is an opportunity and a half. It's been hard. To gift. And you just you just sort of sat there and you thought to yourself, okay, if we can if we can get a few goals early doors, you know, before he decides to bring the big guns on, maybe sometime during the second half, because obviously his idea was to try and keep it tight, you know, and then maybe. In the last 20, 25 minutes, like we've seen anyway, you know, we'll bring on some of the bigger guns and see see if we can't get a result. But thankfully, you know, before that kind of happened, we managed to score with Danny Ings. You know, and, yeah, nice goal too, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, is like, you know, I felt I felt that we were in control. I felt that. You know, it was just a matter of time before we scored. Uh, I genuinely did think that from open play. You know, and we scored, albeit you know we had the we had the win, but you know we scored. Yeah, just a little. Uh, yeah, and it was it was a positive performance at the end of the day. I mean, you know, the thing is, is Wolves. Soon as they went one nil down, you br- they brought on a Damatrore, one or two other, you know, first teamers, you know, and they gave it a go. But <laughs> thankfully, you know, we showed enough resolve. I mean, you know, Salasu, 
looks like a find. You know, he's quick over the gr- he's very very quick over the ground. You know, and the thing is, is his timing in terms of his tackling and everything else seems spot on for me. Uh, you know, I'm really excited about him. He, he seems to have great composure for a 21 year old. You know, and and um, you know, I'm real. I'm really looking forward to whoever he builds a partnership with in the middle of the defence, whether it's Vestergaard or whether it's you know Bednarak. But you know, it, honestly, mate, I mean, looking at it in isolation now, you look at the three people that came in over the summer, and and I think it's the best transfer window we have had for you know, at least the last two seasons anyway, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Like we're getting the recruitment right on the permanent side. You know, I take I take Theo Walcott out of the equation because he's on loan, you know, and, and you know, I don't think we're going to be signing him permanently anyway. But you look at those three signings in isolation and then you sort of hope that, you know, the next sort of, you know, next two summer windows, you know, they follow the same progression. And then and then you've got a team of, of young talent that are good enough, that are good enough to play in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on um, so soon in the Premier League. And, um, you know, it's interesting as well, because given that um, we're led to believe that Carl Walker-Peters looks as though he may have picked up a knock in the Wolves game, yeah. it's interesting to see if he features against Chelsea and how he does in that game because uh, obviously he's yet to sort of play in the Premier League up against one of the bigger teams so it'd be interesting to see how he goes in that game so I'm looking yeah. forward to that with bated breath no, 100% 100% but you know he certainly looks the part you know and I, I know it's certain days and it was his first game and all, all the rest of it but he certainly does look the part and you know, we can look we can look forward obviously to seeing much more of him. You know? Yeah, definitely. And he's very quick across ground. And um for anybody who remembers Alex Austin that used to play for Saints, oh Blood and Thunder as I called him, never tried to tackle. Mohammed Salisu likes to challenge everybody, I'll tell you that now. He's oh, not yeah. for the faint hearted. And um also as Mark says, sometimes he looks as though he's out of position, but he's so quick across the ground and so aware of what's going on. A very, very concentrated, a very composed for a 21-year-old. You're in for a treat, Saints fans, trust me. We look like we've gone after another little gem to go with Ibrahima Diallo, who looks like a gem as well. So as Mark says, last transfer window, the three signings look like we've really made, got some quality. We, Carl Walker-Peters, absolute catalyst for all the good stuff, along with Stuart Armstrong and Diallo and Salisu as well. They all look like three quality signings. And that's what Ralph wanted, a smaller squad with quality. And he's starting to get some of that now, which is great. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent, Mark. And you know, we we'll have to, we we'll have to turn around and sort of compliment the people that are running the football club for being able to facilitate, you know, and being able to bring those three players in permanently in the summer. Yeah, I mean, I have my doubts, but credit where it's due. Martin Simmons and Matt Crocker, you're doing a good job there on the recruitment side. So credit to both of you. You're doing a very good job under very difficult circumstances. So well yeah. done on that one. Right at that point, I think we'll um. Bring the review of- before, before we move on, I just want to say, in regards to the 2-0 result, Stuart Armstrong's second goal, what a goal. I mean, 
Peach. I, I didn't think it was on. I didn't think he'd squeeze a past up. <laughs> no, he did it brilliant. In three or four plays, he had to thread it through. Brilliant. Yeah, anyone who reckons that was an open goal and a tap in, watch it back on the highlights because it certainly I mean, wasn't. Skill I mean, is what I would say. Know, I'm going to say it now, but certainly for me, early early shout of Saint of the season. You know, I know there's still a long way to go, but I don't know. We just we, we look at different team when he's in it. Yeah, I agree with that. He's been absolute quality for the last twelve months. I think the last few games, definitely, he's just he's been a different level completely. And I mean, the run for the first goal for Ings, brilliant. So yeah. The, the only thing, the only thing I would question sometimes with the is, is that it's not, you know, with Stewart sometimes it's not always ninety minutes. You know, you might get him for the first half of the game, or you or you might get like in the two 0 victory where where he's all over the place for the ninety minutes. You know, but some sometimes you might only get forty five from him, and then you know you go missing a bit, but. You know, it is what it is. But as I say, one of the, one of the best things about him is that he plays in in between those lines of uncertainty where defenders can't really deal with him, and and he's the only player we have got of that ilk at the football club. But in fairness, I think there was a hole in the team, and he's filled it definitely. And if he was a direct replacement for Stephen Davis. Absolutely nailed it. It's an upgrade. No offence to Stephen right. Davis. It's an upgrade. It, t- so it, took, it, took a li- it took a little while, but we're certainly reaping the benefits. Yeah, definitely. And on that note, that moves us on to the two Saints review of Saints 1, Wolves 2 in the Premier League. So, yeah, it didn't quite have the same result as the Cup game. We thought they'd probably go full strength for the league game. Turned out they did, Mark. And, um, oh dear, despite a cracking start from Saints, it didn't pan out that way, did it? Yeah. It was a bit um, after the Lord Mayor's show for me. Yeah, I mean, did well. You know, you've got you've got to say what a goal from Danny Ings. That would be the first the first thing that you'd say. Um, probably the most complete uh, first half performance of the season for me, and I, and I think that was probably what was so disappointing about the rest of the game and the second half kind of response because. You know, Saints would have known coming out for the second half that, you know, Wolves were definitely going to up their game. I mean, you you could, you know, the, you'd, I mean, Nuno Gunez wouldn't have needed to say anything at halftime. You know, I mean, you know, he, he could have went into the dressing room and said nothing. And the players, the players knew that they would have to up their game. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean... I say that we had a most, you know, the most complete first half of football this season for me, right? And you know, we limited Wolves to what they were doing, but their lap, their levels weren't up. Our levels were up, you know. And uh, and then second half starts, Wolves have gone up levels, and we've we've just completely flatlined, and and. You know we're not we're not raising the tempo. We're not getting into the game. It was I mean, you know we said weekend we well not weekend week out, but we said whenever it needs to be said. But that was a classic Jackal and Hyde Saints yep. performance. Yep. Well, first half most complete performance of the season. First half, second half not nowhere near it. I mean, 
couple of really dodgy penalty decisions to be fair. One that he ran, yeah. one that was given, one that wasn't. Both were penalties for me. Um, well, I wouldn't say both were penalties. One at the other end, definitely a penalty. One against Bertram, very harsh. We've seen it given though, so it would have evened up. I think we deserved the penalty, and it should have been. So, a couple of really harsh decisions I found. Um, but and Romain, you said it was hard to take. Ralph Hasenhutl said decisions were hard to understand. Well, yeah, one of them was actually made at Stockley Park. It wasn't even made on the pitch or in the stadium. So that in itself wrong. So there's that. But um, to be fair, yeah, it is a difficult one I understand and to take. But um, we didn't deserve anything from the game as it was, to be fair. So those decisions didn't really have a bearing on it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, from my, from my point of view, it would be a case of where I turn around to say, you know, um, Saints basically turned around and didn't, as I say, didn't come out in the second half. There was no sort of performance level there. Um, and the thing is, is as a consequence of that, more than penalty decisions or general play, you know, as a consequence of that, we didn't really deserve anything out of the game. And, and, and unfortunately, Mark, sometimes that's the long and the short of it. I mean, I could sit, we could sit here and... I, I don't get me wrong. I kind of agree with you a little bit. I, I think both of them were pens. You know, I know that you say, you know, Ryan couldn't do anything about it, and I agree with that. You know, but the the hand, you know, his handball slightly away from the body, and the wolves, the wolves one that we were denied. You know, his his arm is not in a natural position, so why it wasn't given is a mystery. But I think he's I got think both arms Ralph, out either side of his body and he looks like he's starting to pray. Yeah, but I think I think Ralph needs to accept as well that I mean he, he can see what's going on in the pitch as well as anybody else. And you know, you have to concede that the performance in the first half was of 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 a high level. And and in the second half there was a drop off, and I do think it was more to do with that than than necessarily any sort of controversial decisions or or anything of that kind of ilk. Because the Nato goal was a good goal, but <laughs> the one thing that I'm gonna say, and you know where I'm going, is what is Alex McCarthy doing? He's like trying to do a star jump after the ball's gone past them. Alex McCarthy, Alex McCarthy, concentrate on goalkeeping, not auditioning for Strictly Come Dancing. You're not auditioning for Strictly. No star jumps, no tangos, no anything. Play like a goalkeeper and do your job. Honestly, make yourself bigger once the ball's past you. He's an absolute ripper. Yeah, it was... It was just, it was just ridiculous. It was embarrassing because even when I was watching it live, I thought to myself, "Hang on, he's doing that. And the ball's already gone past him." I mean, it, it was, it looked lame to say the least. But yeah, that was the and, proverbial bolt in the bolt in the stable door after the horses disappeared. That was. But I mean, the thing, the other thing that I've got to say about it, Mark, is there was enough even in that first half performance, right for. Saints fans to take heart and and realise that you know the team can reach levels. You know, I don't expect them to do that over the whole ninety minutes because I don't think that's kind of possible. But you know, like I said, at the end of the day, we lost who won. Yes, it's a little bit of a better pull to take, 
you know, given the first half performance, but you know, after after the first half, you know, was it that much of a surprise that we lost the game two one? Not really. Well, the consoling thought is we've got a really easy fixture coming up against Chelsea, Mark, where we can put it all right. So great. <laughs> yes, I mean, optimism springs eternal, my friend. Optimism springs eternal. Yeah, yeah. Get a result against them, you wait. <laughs> right, that brings us to the end of the Team Saints review of Saints 1, Wolves 2 in the league. And when we come back after a very short break, we'll be doing Saints Club News. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the Two Saints show. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, Saints Club News. James Beattie donates iPads to St Mary's Primary. Jaidi joins Sakal Bruges. How to roll over or refund your season ticket. Saints Foundation presents All In This Together. B-team match gets Blackburn postponed. Under-18 report, Brighton 7, Saints 1. Spacey Kale, Dr Bowen move, high, move highlights progression. And Saints launch new official mobile app. So starting with James Beattie donating iPads to St Mary's Primary in Southampton, Mark. Absolutely fantastic. He was one of my favourite players on the pitch and he's rapidly becoming a bit of a legend off it. So well done, James Beattie, is what I have to say. Over to you. Yeah, he's already a legend off it. I mean, all, all you could turn around and say about him was, you know, one of my personal favourites when he was playing for the club, you know, and not only had he been out this week, you know, given iPads the St Mary's Primary School, you know, he, he was also out, uh, one of my friends spotted him out delivering groceries to people um, from the food share place, so uh, as I say, top man, and you know, well, he's just like, like Franny and like Matt, you know, he's a great ambassador for the football club, but, you know, fair play to James, because at the end of the day, he's forking out out of his own money for that, you know, and it's much needed at the minute for the the kids homeschooling because a lot of the kids don't have, you know, laptops and computers and iPads and everything else. So, you know, for him to make that gesture and do that deed and, you know, because obviously it, it's one of the more deprived areas as well in Southampton, you know, it, it's a top, top thing from the do, and I'm immensely proud of it. You know, Absolutely right. Yeah, and Southampton Football Club, Um, you want to employ former employees or you want to employ former <laughs> players, he's available. He's still in Southampton. Shay Adams could do him a bit of a leg up, so get him down here. Yeah. Striking coach, yeah? James yeah. Beattie, still available. And speaking of coaches that are still available, that moves us on nicely to the links us very nicely to the next story, which relates to Raddy Joidi, Mark, who left Southampton to join... Harford Athletic in the States as coach there. He's now left there, severed his ties with Southampton, and he's joined Cecil Bruges as assistant coach. It just, it, this one kind of baffles me a bit, Mark, if I'm honest. I mean, I can understand from maybe Raddy Joidi's point of view that he wants to spread his wings, be his own man, maybe get away from, you know, the club, so to speak, of, you know, because he's been here a good few years. But at, the, but at the same time, when, when I look at what's going on with the, the, the B team and the under 18s and everything like that, I think to myself, there's nobody there with any great experience at the top level like Raddy Joey. You know, he can pass on stuff to the younger players at the under 18 level. 
And, you know, and we're going to come on to this in a minute, but I, I still think that he's got stuff to offer, whether that's in the, um, you know, in the B team or whether that's even in the first team. I mean, here's one for you, right? I'll throw this one into the mix to you. What does Kelvin Davis actually do as a first team coach? Exactly my question. <laughs> you know, I mean, as far as I know, he hasn't, he still hasn't done any of his badges. I might be wrong there. I could be wrong. I'm not saying that's well, totally maybe, maybe, maybe he's good for morale, but based on the last few games, I don't think that's even been working. <laughs> well, no, obviously he's in there because he's seen it, done it. He, he, he buys into the club philosophy. But I would have, I would have thought there would have been room for Rani Jaidi within the first team squad uh, coaching setup for me, and you know, especially when we're talking about defending, which has been a bit of Achilles an Achilles heel for Saints. Well, why wouldn't you appoint know. him as a defensive coach? Yeah, exactly. You know, because the thing is, is you got. You got people like Dave Watson, who, who, funnily enough, was a goalkeeper, but he's responsible for set pieces and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I would have appointed him as a defensive coach because we've got a lot of coaches at the club that don't seem to do an awful lot. But there you go. Yeah, anyway, I mean, the, the only other thing that I want to say as well, very quickly, right, just on James Beattie, and I know you spoke about it earlier, but James Beattie, Mark, I mean... You know, you said about having him in as a striking coach. I mean, there's a perfect person for Shea Adams. Work with him in Birmingham. 100%. Yeah, spot on. Spot on. Ralph says he's got faith in him. Well, that's fine. Show a little bit of faith then. Bring a coach in to have him a little bit. And a coach that understands him. He'll get the best out of him. He got the best out of him at Birmingham. The evidence speaks for itself. I'm picking you up here, James. I hope you're listening in. So, if you're listening in, James, we'd love an interview with you, okay? <laughs> Picking you up there. Scratch our back, we'll scratch you all right. Desperation stakes there, Mark. Desperation. No, not at all. Not, not at all. We'll scratch his back, you can scratch ours. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, moving on. So, how to roll over or refund your season ticket for 2020-21. So, Hampton Football Club are contacting all 2020-21 season ticket holders to give them the option to carry over the remaining value of their tickets for next season or claim a refund. The club would like to thank its season ticket holders for their incredible support and understanding during this challenging time and has made the decision to offer fans the chance choice to claim a refund given the uncertainty surrounding when they'll be allowed back to games at St Mary's. Alternatively, supporters can choose to leave the remaining balance on their ticket account to be used against future fixtures, either this season if fans are allowed back to St Mary's for next season's fixtures or against the value of their 2021-22 season ticket. All season ticket holders will receive an email by Saturday 13th of February outlining options available, so you should have already received that. Please note, for any families or groups that brought tickets together, only the leave because required to take action as outlined. Please note, yeah, all so supporters received their remaining season ticket balance credit in the ticketing account. Yeah, so I got my email um, last Friday, um, and basically, you know, it was a no-brainer for me, Mark. I've, I've decided to roll, roll it over the next season, see where we are. You know, at the end of the day, I don't mind the 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 club keeping hold of the money, you know. 
Yeah, and I think that's probably what most people are to for, which is probably the best option. So, there we go. We'll move on from there, because I think we've covered that as much as we possibly can. There's not a lot more info we can really give everyone. So, get ready, everybody, for an evening of entertainment from the comfort of your sofa. The Saints Foundation brings you all in this together on Thursday, the 4th of March. Host Kenzie Benali will be joined by Saints legends past and present. Matt Letizia, Wayne Bridge, Franny Benali, Danny Ings and Jade Ward-Prowse for interviews, challenges and much more. Local talent Charlie Stride will have you dancing around your living room and comedian Tom Deacon will bring the laughs too. Well, we'll wait to see on that one, Tom, but anyway. <laughs> Plus, you can help support the amazing work Saints Foundation carry out in the community by taking part in our silent auction with incredible sign merchandise and prices experiences up for grabs. Or get your hands on some James Ward-Prowse memorabilia in our exclusive Captain's Raffle, including the chance to win a call with the man himself. All funds raised go towards Saints Foundation, enabling them to continue transform win lives in and around Southampton when it's needed most. It's been a hard year for everyone. Saints Foundation is no exception. They've missed out on approximately £300,000 of expected fundraising income. comes at a time their support's never been more important to people in the community. I'm sure, given what's actually going to be happening that evening, you know, you've got, obviously, Matt Latez, um, Franny Benali, William Bridge, you know, and also then you've got the, the players, James Ward-Price and Danny Ings. I, I'm sure that there will be people queuing up to have them in their homes, literally. You know, obviously we're on a call, but... You know, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure, well, fingers crossed that the Saints Foundation make an absolute fortune from it. I mean, the, the captain's raffle sounds very, very interesting because I would imagine, you know, James probably has some unique stuff on offer there. So, you know, let, let's hope that it goes well and they manage to recoup some of the £300,000 that they've lost. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that, definitely. So, moving on to the next story. The B-team match against Black Blackburn Rovers recently was postponed. Um, this was Premier League 2. It's postponed due to a frozen pitch. Details of a rearranged fixture will be announced in due course. So, moving on to the next story there. The under-18s, Mark, going down to 7-1 defeat to Brighton. Yeah, I mean, look, with the under-18s and the, and the B-team, we seem to talk about this Every every week because the results for either sides haven't been good, and while I while I say at that age group it isn't as relevant as the players developing themselves, you know I do think it is still important for morale that you're winning, you're winning or you're at least getting some sort of results and. Neither side at the minute seems to be getting any sort of desired results, really. Um, you know, I, the, like, like I said, I understand that at under eighteen level, it's about development. Yeah. But it, but at the same time, I do think that in terms of morale, and even if you've got decent players in there, if you're losing week week in week out, it's not a great look, Mark. No, it's not. And, um, you know, our famed academy, unfortunately, not doing very well at the moment. And there's certainly not that convey about we all thought was there, is there? But anyway, moving on to some slightly more positive news. Marianne Spacey Cale saying that Dr Laura Bowen's move across to the women's section of Southampton Football Club is definitely progression. Um, I think I'd agree with that. And I know you think, Mark, that it's a fantastic yeah. appointment. Uh, it's great news. 
it, honestly, mate, and you know, it's funny because we're, we're talking about bad news, and then we're talking. But honestly, this this is a great appointment for the women's the women's uh, Saints team. It really is because Laura Bowen's probably been or L- Laura Bowen's been at the club for around about six years, and obviously she's been involved in the in the sort of physical well-being and, and everything else of the first team, you know, the injuries and everything else. And for to come across to the women's, I mean, because the the vast knowledge that she would now have, having worked, you know, with the first team for the last six years, I mean, that's surely got to be an enormous benefit for the women's team. Uh, so... You know, it's definitely it's a it's a definite plus, and hopefully, it'll mean that we see even greater pro- progression within the women's section of the football club. Yeah, let's hope so. And that moves us on to the last article as well. Saints launch new official mobile app, and I've downloaded it myself, and it's pretty good actually. So, apparently a lot easier than going to the website for information. Yeah, I've got I've got the same work. I've downloaded it. I'm slightly disappointed because <laughs> I downloaded it on the BI pad, right? And it's a mobile app, right? So oh, no. it's this big dark screen and a little bit of a strip. And I'm sat there going, this is rubbish. <laughs> yeah, please know everybody, it does say mobile app. The keys, the keys oh, in the word. There you go. Such a slight. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the first section of today's podcast. So we'll be back shortly after a break. But coming up for you in the second half of the pod today, we have other football news, Saints in the press, Saints transfer gossip, and the Two Saints preview of Saints versus Chelsea. So we'll be right back after these words. It's the Two Marks, CNH, on the Two Saints Show, Fiesta 95FM. All right, welcome back, everybody. So other football news. Keith Carroll sacked as Northampton Town boss. Paul Tisdale, Bristol Rovers sack manager after less than three months in charge. Daryl Clark, Port Vale appoint Walsall boss as new manager. And the last one of the managerial situations going on, Mark, another football news. Very interesting one. This Marco Rose, Brusher Munchen Gladback boss, opts to take Brusher Dortmund job at the end of his Brusher Munchen Gladback contract. Very strange. So starting with Keith Carroll, Northampton Town sacked him. I mean, bear in, bear in mind that Keith Curl got them promoted last season. You know, they're they're in League One. And, uh, uh, I mean, obviously, it, it's a bit of a poison chalice, mate, because obviously they've gone into League One after promotion, you know, um, struggled quite a bit with obviously moving up a division. You know, you you sort of sit there and you. I wouldn't have thought there's there's that much of a budget at Northampton. So it, it's a real it's a real difficult one to sort of try and comprehend. Um, I mean, per- personally, I think Keith Curl's got a fairly good record with clubs. You know, in in uh, League One and League Two. You know, um, so. Yeah, they've decided to part ways with him. But one of the most saddest things about the departure is obviously now that the Northampton fans can't get the same, you know, uh, Peter Andre's mysterious girl. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm not much of a karaoke singer, but I'll give it a go and you'll get the gist of it, okay? 
and that and that is that they so to the to the tune of Mysterious Girl, they the the Northampton fans sing, oh, Keith Curl, I want to play FIFA too. So there you go. So obviously. It sounds a lot better when there's a group of people singing it, but uh, you get the just. So that's just to give it another go, right? Uh, that's uh, oh, Keith Curl, I want to play three five two. And anyway, there you go. That's My apologies, it. everyone. That's we don't have a license for that on our podcast, but we let Mark have his. <laughs> I do apologise for everyone for that. <laughs> Anyway, moving on, moving on rapidly before we get shut down. But I, I just say one thing. I just say one thing, Mark. I can't wait to see who Northampton are going to bring in as their new manager. I really can't wait to see who, who's going to pop up. Like Frank Lampard's available. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Talking um, about managerial sackings. Former St. Paul Tisdale, Bristol Rovers sacked the manager after less than three months in charge, despite the fact they appointed him on a long-term project. Yeah, I mean, the, the, again, this is another one that kind of baffles me a little bit. How how can you bring somebody in, you know, and less than three months into the job, he's gone, especially given that they, they called the press conference and they basically said that Paul Tinsdale was going to be a long-term appointment, right? Now, I, I bought into the whole thing that Bristol Rovers were selling because when, when you look at Paul Tinsdale, you look at how he did it Exeter, right, when um, Steve Perryman was the, was the basically the director of football, and they, they nurtured through a lot of talent, right, Obviously, the one that you, the one that sort of stands out that you would speak about at the minute is, you know, Ollie Watkins at Aston Villa. He started at he started at Exeter, but there's been several, you know, there's been loads of other players that have come through Exeter and then gone on to have careers higher up the leagues, you know. And obviously, Paul Tinsdale was all part of that, you know. Exeter more or less every season. They were in the round the you know, the playoffs uh, you know, at League Two level. Uh, obviously, you know, the but uh, as I say, it's a it's a strange one when they make an, an appointment and they say this is in the long term and you and yet he's only given a couple of months. It just it just smacks of any sort of short-sightedness, why bring him in the first place? You know, why, why don't you just be honest and turn around and say, we're looking for a bounce of fact. We're appointing this new manager. Hopefully, you know, he got a few wins for us under his belt and then we'll see where we go from there. Don't turn around and say it's a long-term project and then sack him after two and a half months because, you know, that wasn't the remit that you were telling us that you were appointing him on. So, I, I do feel for him in the sense that, you know, apart from Brad Pittman, who's probably the most experienced player Bristol Rovers had or have, you know, it, it's all a group of youngsters, mate. So, you know, it, it, even in terms of the results, the you know, his hands were sort of, you know, he was kind of hamstrung and he was having to work with what he got. And obviously, 
it, it would appear to me that the board of Bristol Rovers were expecting miracles, you know, and, and at the end of the day, if you're just working with what you've got, like we see a lot of the time as well, you know, the thing is, is obviously you've got to give the manager time to develop the players, you know, to try and improve them in training and stuff like that. So, yeah, I do feel for Paul Pimp still. And again, I'll wait to see who Bristol Rovers are going to appoint in his place because I can't see it being anybody better than him himself. You know, admittedly, the, the sheen's going off. Paul Pinsdale a little bit because he made the decision to leave Exeter City yeah. and he went to MK Dons sort of on the same sort of premise, on the same sort of project. And they dispense with, with his services fairly early. So, But I'm sure that there's a job out there for both him and Keith Curl in the lower leagues, mate. Without a doubt, you know, they've both got decent pedigree. Yeah, absolutely right. So, moving on to Port Vale. Daryl Clark's been appointed, Mark, as manager at Port Vale. Yeah, again, it's a strange one because, obviously, it's a manager moving from a League 2 club to another League 2 club. And the only thing I can think of, Mark, in relation to this is there's much more of a budget at Vale Park, you know, Port Vale. That's the only thing that I can put it down to. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it go how he goes. You know, it leaves Walsall a little bit on the in the lurch because you sort of sit there and you think, well, who are they going to appoint? I know that uh, Martin O'Connor, who ex Birmingham player, started out at Walsall. I think he finished his playing career at Walsall. He's he's the assistant, or he he's an assistant coach or something. You know, maybe the might you know, Walsall might look at a point than him. Um, but it, as I say, it'll be interesting to see what Walsall do. But obviously, Port Vale must feel that they've appointed the right man for his job. Yeah. But like I say, I think it's more to do with budgets. Obviously, there must be a bigger playing budget at Port Vale than there is at, at Walsall. Yeah, we can only assume that's the case, to be fair. So, move on to the last of the managerial um, situations that are being discussed. And this is an interesting one, very strange one as well. This this reminds me a little bit of when Harry Redknapp left Portsmouth to manage at Saints and then went back to Bombay. So, Marco Rose, who's currently at Borussia Mönchengladbach, has opted to take the job at Borussia Dortmund and will leave his club, current club in the summer to take over at Dortmund. So, they're both in the league, very close together, literally one place apart, but on exactly the same point, Mark. This is a strange right. one for me. Right, they're only separated by goal difference at the moment, um, and and it is it is kind of bizarre because why would you announce it while this the season's still going on? I mean, surely both clubs would have been better to announce it at the end of the season when everything's been resolved. Because I've got to be honest, Mark. If I was if I was a Borussia Dortmund fan or I was a Borussia Mönchengladbach fan, you know, I'd be I'd be sat there as a fan thinking, is is there not a little bit of a conflict of interest here? Because both of them are going. I mean, admittedly, they're both kind of out outside of the Champions League places, but they're both going for Europa League spots, right? And the, and the you know, and at the minute. Uh, Borussia Dortmund's in the last Europa League spot 
And the, the you know the thing is is but don't know how the season's gonna go. Either of them could be fan for Champions League, and I and I just I just think you know what happens. I I don't know what the fixtures are in Germany, but for example, what happens if you know we get down to the final game of the season, they're playing each other, and it's a winner take all situation, right? Well, well. The manager at Borussia Dortmund be sat there with his Borussia Dortmund hat on and thinking, I'm still employed by Borussia Dortmund, right? I've got to win the game, right? Or will he be sitting there thinking, um, well, hang on, Dortmund's got a chance of playing European football here. You know, do I, do I throw up for, for my future benefit, you know? It's just a bit of a strange one. I mean, okay, fair enough. He's he's made the decision. That that's not what I'm questioning. I'm just questioning the timing of of the appointment in the sense of how both clubs have released it. Because if you're sat there as a fan, it just looks odd. It looks really odd, you know. Yes. Will we be calling him Agent Rose? I wonder. <laughs> 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 I mean, he could do that. He might go to flipping Dortmund for the season and then decide to go back to, you know, munching Gladbach. Or he ends up at Wolfsburg or somewhere. <laughs> so, oh, crazy you know, it was one of the more bizarre stories that definitely, I've read this week. So, on to a couple of stories relating to Everton. Everton's new Bramley Moor Dock Stadium has been recommended for approval, and Carlo Ancelotti had his um, house barrel in the safe stolen. Thankfully, they found the safe, Carlo. Bad news is it was empty, unfortunately. So, <laughs> that damn. was a surprise. Shame. There, yeah, on jokes. Mazzy's side, shocker. But, um, well, at least, his car, at least his car still had wheels on it. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll start with Ancelotti. I mean, look, the guy's only just turned up in Mersey said He hasn't been there that long. I mean, what, little over a year? And you know, and people are just burgling his home. I mean, that, that's well. In, in fairness, isn't that as close as you get to a baptism on Merseyside? Oh, oh! I'm only joking. I'm, I'm, only not, joking. I'm not going down that route. Definitely not. Going. You said that I didn't. Um, but I'm only joking. You know, I, I'm, think, I'm thinking to myself. To be to be honest, I'm thinking to myself. It's a hell of a welcome for Carlo Angelotti. But but. You know, all joking aside, I mean, you just sort of sit there and you think, in the sake, the man's been here five minutes and he's getting his house burgled, but there you go. But anyway, moving on to the other news about obviously the new stadium. I mean, I'm I'm quite I'm quite pleased for the Everton supporters because that this has been a long time in the planning and it'll be interesting to see if they can fill it. You know, because the thing is, is like, to be fair, Goodison Park's packed out every week or every other week when they're at home. So it'll be interesting. You know, the strategy obviously also has got to be, you know, it's a bigger stadium. So you do you do what needs to be done. You reduce, you know, to a certain extent, the ticket prices, you know, and, and the people will come and fill the stadium all being well. But, um you know, on the flip side of that, it is going to be difficult even for the likes of myself to say goodbye to Goodison Park because I don't know if you know or not, it's one of the very few grounds where it's got a church on the corner and 
you know, I hope they keep some of the traditions alive that they have in Goodison Park. There's a lady comes around before kickoff dressed in blue and white, and she obviously throws uh, Everton toffee mints into the crowd before kickoff and stuff like that there. But um, what I was going to say, yeah, it, it, it's going to, you know, it, need, it needs to happen for Everton to move forward, you know, and I'm pleased that I'm pleased for supporters of the club that that's happening, but but there'll be a tinge of regret at leaving Goodison Park, even though my record is absolute pants up there. Yeah, um, I'm going to sort of miss miss the fact of Goodison Park because the one time I've been there with you, Mark, we actually won a penalty shootout there. So yeah. I'm a little bit gutted we're not going to be going to Goodison Park to actually win there. And that, and that was after nearly 14 attempts, Mark, as well. <laughs> yeah. you know, going up and I think you've been in most of those as well. Yeah, so uh, as I say, but it will be it will be sad when Goodison shots, you know, as well. But uh, as I say, it, it needs to happen, you know. I mean, I, I always think at the end of the day, you got to try and progress your club as much as as oh, much yeah, as you definitely. can, you know. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and that that includes our club, by the way. Yeah, we certainly need to progress our club in certain directions, and let's hope some of the talk of Middle East investors potentially um, bears fruit because that'd be good, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. A little bit of cash coming in. Not we're holding our breath on that one, but anyway, we'll see what we'll see what comes out. Um, and talking of robbery and burglary and things like that on Merseyside, Harvey Elliott, Liverpool have to pay Fulham a record compensation fee, which could rise to anything up to four point three million, which is a record for a sixteen-year-old. So there you go, Mark talking to burglary on Merseyside, and that was decided by a um, by an independent tribunal. Yeah, I mean, the obviously this one sticks out because it's a record, you know, it's a record fee for a sixteen-year-old. All, all you can think is is I haven't seen him play personally, but he he must be some player to foregrade that money. I mean, I mean Liverpool must be thinking thinking to themselves now that they've signed him. You know, I'm, I'm expecting them to be in the Liverpool team in eighteen nineteen, and have like a have like a you know a stellar career yeah. with them. Well, the thing is, till he's about thirty four. You know, I think back to a couple of youngsters we had on loan at Saints some time ago, Mark. That both came from Liverpool. I seem to remember they were quite hefty fees they paid for those two, um, Adam Hamill and Danny Guffrey. And I think they played quite, paid quite a lot of money for both of those when they initially came in as teenagers. But unfortunately, it didn't really work out for them, did it? So let's hope Harvey Elliott has a little bit more luck in the game than uh, Hamill and Guffrey did. Although Danny Guffrey, to be fair, was quite outstanding when he played for us, wasn't he? Or am I getting those two round the wrong way? I remember no, one of them no, was no, very no, good. No, the other no, one no, no, that was spot on. So you're talking right. about when they both were at Liverpool as yeah. opposed to when they were both at Southampton. Because yeah. yeah. as, as, re- as I remembered, they came to us on loan. Danny yeah. Cottery was excellent, funnily enough, when he yep. was with us. Yep. Adam Hamill was very much a flop for me. I mean, came with came with a big reputation and left with a whimper, to be fair. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Sorry, moving on to the next story. Anthony Martial, Man United forward, racially abused on Instagram after West Brom draw. Yes, everybody, we are talking about racism in football again, and we'll continue to do so, and this will be on the pod every single week until this is this is addressed. And uh, disappointingly, Mark, I was reading yesterday, I think it was Twitter, uh, basically said they're not going to ban um, anonymous accounts. Or they're not going to they're not going to reveal who these people are. Hi, so hi. I, I just don't agree with that. 
How do you, Mark, how do you do, how are you meant to deal with the issue if the social media companies or groups aren't prepared to address an issue that they've helped to create? Because let's look at it this way, right? See, they're, they're happy to ban the accounts, but they won't actually limit the account and they won't reveal who's got the account. They're happy to ban them, but they won't reveal who it is. But it, but it that that's not on. I mean, the thing is, how, how are you meant to prosecute to me what is a criminal act? And, and it is, you know, because we're talking about human beings, you know, hurting other human beings' feelings, you know, and, and, and it's deep-rooted. It's deep-rooted, you know. It cause, you know, yeah. I'm sure it causes anxiety. You know, at the end of yeah. the day, neither, neither you or I are, you know, of of black persuasion, but, you know, I can turn around and tell you, Mark, you know, you know that I come from an Irish background. And when, when, I, first moved, when I first moved to England, and this, this is besides having the disability, when I first moved to England, people used to turn around and say, oh, here he comes, the RA bomber. You know what I mean? So, so you know, as I say, this this not, and it is, it is, you know, I, I, always, I always feel that it is to do with education, but if people allow people to get away with stuff, Absolutely. right, without any sort of consequences. Yeah. Well, you've, also had, you've also had, on, on the back of this as well, you've had Stoke City's, um, James McLean, his wife revealed the full extent of the abuse he suffered and the abuse has been directed at him. And also some of the female um, pundits, Karen Carney and um, Alex Scott, have both come in for criticism. And Ian Wright said he's embarrassed at the abuse level at them. So it's yeah. not just it's not just happening racially. There's players being abused that aren't that aren't coloured and that aren't of ethnic minority. And now pundits being abused. Where's yeah. it end? And, yeah. and the, what's worse is the social media companies are just basically giving these people an outlet. They're giving them a monitor and a keyboard to hide behind. Stop giving them a monitor and a keyboard to hide behind. And if you're one of these people that's hiding abuse at these people, then you're a coward. Stop doing it. It's unacceptable, and you're a coward for doing it. The, th the thing is for me, Mark, is, you know, if you're going to use social media, then you should have to log in the, the account, right? And then what, once you log in the account, you know, the social media people know who the account belongs to, because you know you would have to give some sort of personal details, right? But then, but because of that, they would know who the account belongs to, and all the rest of it. I mean, there was a, I was listening to a program. Funnily enough, it was Bristol Rovers, right? And there's there's a lad there that got racially abused online, and it and it was from messages that had been sent from uh, an Eastern European country. Anyway, just just moving on from that there, but look, stop it. The thing is, is that football. The, the the wonderful thing is, is in football now. Whenever you go to the games, you don't get it, right? You don't get it in and around the grounds. You know, it's it's not as prevalent as what as what it once was. You know, and everybody everybody sort of accepts everybody else. You know, the thing is, is why can we not just treat, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. Why can we not just treat people the same? Because everybody's equal in my eyes. Everybody's equal. Yeah, absolutely right. And that's exactly the way it should be. And, you know, parents out there as well, bring your kids up to be open-minded about everything. Because I tell you what, 
in years to come, there'll be a lot less prejudice in the world if you bring your kids up to just be open-minded about everything and just accept yeah. people for how they are. Because that's where it starts from. It starts from when you're young and getting educated properly at home. Because that's where it comes from. And it does. People that are educated correctly at home and brought up in the right way just don't do things like that. It's as simple as that. You don't do it, I don't do it. You know, I've been around children that don't do it. But the other thing, very quickly, Mark, I'll just cover the other two, right? I mean, James James McLean, right? What, what I would say there is, is, you know, just stop the abuse against the bloke. You know, he might have the he might have views that you don't that you don't agree with, and that's fine. That's you know that's fine if you don't agree with them and you message them and say, James, I don't agree with where you're coming from there, right? But that does not give you the excuse to then you know abuse him in any way, shape, or form. Right. You know, in any way, shape, or form. At the Absolutely end of right. the day. He's expressing his own view, right? Which which social media gives you the platform to do that, and you know, and and while I may not always agree with James, there's no way that he should be putting up with the abuse, or or his wife, or any of his yep. family. Yep. Period. Yeah, shut you it know? down. And shut it down for shut it down and shut it down for good. Yeah, and it needs to stop now. And just just on the female, I mean. This is even worse to me. I mean, just just stop all of it because the thing is, is like I haven't heard Karen Carney. I've, I've got to be honest, but I have heard Alex Scott speak, and she's actually one of the better summarizers. The, the thing is, Mark, are these people hurting? Are these? It's very simple for me. I I actually believe these people are hurting abuse at them because they're both quite attractive and they both know what they're talking about, and that's why people throw abuse at them. Lot, it's jealousy, mate. Jealousy. That, that's exactly what I was just going to say, Mark. A yep. lot of it, and even even with black or Asian footballers, a lot of it is just jealousy. Because yep. and, and and what what's what stems that jealousy is is they look at what people have got, and maybe it's things that they want. So you know, there, there there's that sort of element to it. You know, I mean. You know, just to touch very quickly on the Ian Wright, uh, on the Ian Wright case, right? The bloke, the bloke that was given him racial abuse online, right? Apparently, he was playing a game of football where he picked Ian Wright in his greatest eleven, and Ian Wright, when he played the game, played awful. So he thought it was appropriate to give Ian Wright racial abuse online. Really? You know what I mean? And the thing is, is the courts need to get start getting tougher on this. Yeah, because absolutely. all he got was a rap, you know, on the knuckles yep. saying, oh, well, he's had a hard life and all the rest of it. Yeah, do no, you know what? If you're going to ban people, if you're going to ban people in sport for taking drugs, ban them for life for being racist then. Yeah, because... no ban abusive people. But the, my, my bottom line's very simple. People know what's right and wrong in the same way that they know... You know, you you know from an early age, you know, to be people just need to turn around and 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 really wise up the things like, you know, at the end of the day, it's just it it's it's gotta stop, Mark. You know, and, and get, I mean, we'll keep doing it, but I get fed up talking about it every week. I really do. Yeah, you and me both. Anyway, we'll move on to the last two articles in this section. So, bear with us a second. We'll get to those. 
So, yeah, um, the Premier League to show uh, have announced that all Premier League games are to be shown on TV until fans return. And also, in regards to the BBC, the FA Cup, BBC One to show Leicester versus Man United and Chelsea versus Sheffield United. The Red Devils, Man United, 12-time FA Cup winners visit King Power Stadium for a 5pm kickoff on Sunday, 21st of March. BBC One will broadcast Chelsea's tie with Sheffield United earlier in the day at 1.30. Both games will be available on BBC iPlayer. Almost time with Southampton, a Man City trip to Everton will be on BT Sport on Saturday the 20th of March. So there you go. That's all the details you need for the Premier League and obviously the FA Cup. And that brings us to the end of that section of the podcast for today. So we're going to take a very short break. And when we come back, we're going to do Saints in the Press. Fiesta 95 FM, the Two Saints Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. So Saints in the Press. FA Cup quarterfinals draw made. Yep, after marching into the quarterfinals of the Emirates, FA Cup with victory over Wolves, Southampton will face AFC Bournemouth away in the next round. And obviously we gave you the date for that just now. However, I'll remind you that the date for that is... The date and time has been set for Southampton's Emirates FA Cup quarterfinal tie with championship side AFC Bournemouth next month, which will be broadcast live by BT Sport. It will be on Saturday the 20th of March at the Vitality Stadium at 12.15, with a semi-final spot up for grabs for both teams. Fantastic. And also, good news as well, for those of you that may have been vaccinated or hopefully will be by net by here, by this time, it seems as though there is every chance fans could be able to return for the cup final at Wembley, should it go ahead and should Saints get there, which is good news, Mark, as well. Yeah. So three I mean, stories relating to the FA Cup to start with. Yeah, so basically, Mark, I mean, could the draw have been any better for us? You know, the, draw we could have had for. The only thing you could have hoped for that would have been better would have been a home draw. But, you know, as it is, it's a great opportunity for the get to the semi-finals, get the Wembley, you know, and and try and make some sort of impact because, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're now 45 years this summer since our, you know, our one and only win. You know, perfect time to win it again. I'm winning, I'm winning a major trophy. So, you know, let, let's hope that let's hope that you know we can get past Bournemouth. It's no given, but I mean, it, it's the best. You know, it's the best option draw wise that we could have hoped for. And you know, let's hope that you know we can do a little bit of reminiscing if we get to the semi final. I mean, it's it's going to be difficult once we get to the semi-final to ever withdraw, mate. You know, but hopefully we have fair win. You never know. We could be celebrating just like we were in 76 again, albeit that, you know, it'll be socially distanced, you know, and, you know, maybe we can dream a little bit on that. You know, at the end of the day, the, the thing is, is that the cup run as well, might actually help our league form because I I just think at the end of the day if you're play if you're playing games regularly enough you know and more importantly if you're winning them or you know you're not losing them it helps it helps lift the confidence and it's something that's much needed at the minute you know absolutely right absolutely right yeah it certainly is so moving on and talking about confidence and everything else that surrounds the team at the moment. Ralph Hasenhut was verdict on Mohamed Salah's long-awaited debut. Um, he also fumed that VAR is destroying the game after defeat to Wolves. He insisted that Saints played a fantastic game and couldn't until controversial penalty decision. 
Um, Hassan Hootle said Saints were well equipped despite their poor form at the moment to come through it. And he also said we went through all weathers. Um, he also said, uh, sorry, and Oriol Romeo also chimed in and said VAR should be able to help referees not to give things that weren't given before, Mark. I mean, all, all, I, all I would say, Mark, is, you know, uh, I've spoken about Salasu really already on the pod, but, I mean, all, obviously, you know, in, in the interview, Ralph was sort of extenuating how good he actually was and how, actually, how well he actually performed on debut. Um, the other things that I would say is, is that in regards to his reaction in relation to the VAR and obviously lose, you know, losing the game 2-1, you know, specifically he was talking about the penalty, as was Romeo, you know, um, or the penalty that wasn't, let's put it like that, in our favour. I mean, let, let's be honest, uh, you know, I have no problem with Ralph coming out and talking about that. He's only expressing his opinion. And at yeah, the end of the day, he's kept counsel the whole time when others have yeah. been absolutely blown a gasket about fixtures, fixture pile-up, injuries, all the rest of it, you know, VAR, penalty decisions, you know, and at the end of the day, he's kept his counsel this whole season, you know, and it's the first time that I've actually heard him speak out about it. So I haven't got an issue with it, you know, because, like I said, there's loads of other managers out there have had lots to say for themselves on the subject. And maybe at the end of the day, he's just letting off a bit of steam. But, you know, at the end of the day, I suppose with the position that he's in, and the amount of, you know, losses that we've had, he's probably feeling the pressure a bit as well. So obviously being able to come out and express himself, you know, it's let, it's letting a little bit of the pressure cooker subside. Let's put it like that. Actually, right. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, um, I haven't seen Ralph after those decisions and after the game when he actually asked the referee why they were given. He looked apoplectic, to be fair. He looked absolutely furious. So I don't blame him, to be fair. And, you know, like you say, he's kept quiet all season, but he's got to the point and he actually came out in an interview and said, and this was taken out of context by other people as well, certain fans took it as a sign that Ralph was leaving. It's not what he meant, everyone, so don't get out of context. He was talking about VAR, and his exact words were, it's almost too much for me to take. And he was referring to the VAR decisions that cost us recently. Nothing to do with his future at the club. Okay, so I know a few people misquoted him on that and said it was the fact he was leaving. That's not what he meant at all. It was about VAR, and he said it's almost more than I can take. And I understand where he's coming from, because I felt exactly the same, to be fair, as you well know, Mark. And I I understand the timing of the outburst. It's like I said, Mark, you know, obviously the the last few weeks and that there have been difficult injuries wise and selections wise and everything like that there and I, th- I think you know pressure does build up in people and and that was just him releasing the valve a little bit you know because because basically the way things were or the way things are at the club at the minute you know in, in terms of what's happening on the pitch and performances and whatever and I, I didn't have a problem with it you know at the end of the day yes he, you know, he'd be the first one to admit he's probably under a little bit of pressure 
you know, and I, and I be doing him a disservice not to turn around and say that he isn't under a little bit of pressure. Oh, but it isn't, it isn't as bad as some of our supporters are making out. Let's be honest. Well, let's, hope, let's hope in the great tradition of Saints teams in the last couple of seasons, and definitely teams under Ralph, um, let's hope in that fashion that they're capable of doing that they actually do something against Chelsea that gets a little bit of pressure off of them and they get an unlikely result because uh, that team, this team do do that, don't they, occasionally? So we'll yeah, see what happens when they face Chelsea and hopefully when they do face Chelsea, hopefully they'll get something that will take the pressure off Ralph for a bit. Let's be honest, we're renowned for raising our game as well against, against the bigger sides under Ralph. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're having a bit of a longer blip than we would have wanted, Mark, but it's not as bad as a lot of the, you know, the, the same support seem to be making out, you know? Absolutely right. It's not Absolutely. as bad as that. No, definitely not. There are, other, there are other bigger problems within the club than Ralph Hasenhudel. Yeah, and I think we both know where they go, but that's for another pod and another day. <laughs> anyway, yeah. moving on. Talking of um, ins and outs and everything else, this is the next section of the show today, which is Saints transfer gossip. So, Southampton Football Club um, are looking at Callum Stiles, left back from Barnsley, to come in as, um, and join the club, I think, in summer, probably, which is good. Hopefully, they'll manage to get that one done, because you certainly could do then. Saints must go all out to score £8.7 million ace, valued ace as La Liga interested badges. This relates to Takumi Minamino who's obviously on loan from Liverpool at the moment. We believe the fee's going to be about £9 million. Severe, apparently, looking at him. So uh, Saints will have to be of interest in them if they're going to sign him permanently. Although there isn't an option to buy in his contract at the moment. It's a bit like the Carl Walker-Peter situation. I wouldn't rule it out, but obviously Saints need, do need a bit of money, Mr. Gow. Anyway, uh, moving on to the next one. Southampton are battling Monaco for um, Angeli, Angelo Fugini, or Fulini, I believe his name is. Um, quite a similar sort of player to do Tadic, Mark. So if they could get that one over, it would be quite good. But um, again, it's money and it's 10 and a half million quid. But he, those three could be quite good ins if we get them. Although I think Callum Styles is probably the most likely, isn't he? Although Fellini, yeah. I think they were after last, yeah. last season. Yeah, the, 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 this is true, mate. I mean, the, all all I would say is uh, just covering the three ins very quickly, right? So the the first thing I would say is Callum Styles. For me, it's a gore because because uh, basically Vokens has been sent out on loan, right? And I don't know whether followers of the pod are aware, but he actually hasn't featured in any of the match day squads for Sunderland yet, which is slightly concerning. Um, and, and I've got to be honest, I'm not actually convinced that the club have that great a store in them. Um, and, and besides that, anyway, Mark, I think with the question marks, you know, that are basically over Ram Bertram's head at the minute in terms of a new contract and stuff yep. like that. There, I think it's only right and proper that the club are looking at other left-backs. And from what I've seen of Callum Styles this season, you know, in the championship, because I do, I do watch the championship programme on Saturdays on Channel 5, you know, it, it I have to say... It, it would look a very good acquisition for us if it, if it was to happen. That That's all I'd say about that there. But I think it's really right and proper that the club are identifying targets because obviously we're still not getting any commitment from Ram Bertram 
about staying at the football club. Uh, moving on to the next story, Melamino, th- this one's difficult, Mark, because like you said, there's no there's no uh, clause in place for us to buy them or anything like that there. And uh, unfortunately, Seville were interested during the summer uh, doing a deal with Liverpool, but obviously Liverpool didn't want to do a permanent deal. Yeah, uh-huh. there, Mark, is he scored in, his, scored in his first game. Yeah, and obviously he hasn't scored in the second game, but obviously he's, he's likely to feature against Chelsea probably. Obviously, yeah. No, and if he, he scores in that game as well, if he happens to score against Chelsea, that'd be two in three. That puts his stock level right through the roof, doesn't it? So that's going to yeah. count us out probably. I mean, I think the 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 thing for me is is Seville have sort of obviously had an interest in him for a while. You know, when when the deal was done for him. You know, we obviously we made the inquiry, and Liverpool obviously went the way he thought about it, and came back and said, "Yeah, you know, we're prepared to send them out on loan." Um, I mean, it, it beggars belief when you actually look at his goal scoring record, which I had a little look at tonight, and I've got I've got to turn around and say that it's his goal scoring record isn't actually that bad, and you do sort of wonder to yourself, you know. Liverpool's bottom, he scored goals, you know, hasn't had maybe enough exposure, but when he has played for Liverpool, he scored goals, you know, I I just wonder, I'm, I'm not convinced that we would buy him and we would buy the, the, the lad that's in the last article, I've forgotten his name, Angelo, Angelo, I'm not. I'm not convinced that we would we would buy both of them. I think it would be a question of will we buy one or other. But I'm not. I'm not convinced that Liverpool would allow him to go for the rumored price, and the rumored price at the minute is nine to eleven million quid, right? And I, I, I actually think because of the similarity between Angelo and Dustan Tallage, I actually think he's probably more likely to be the target that they would they would look at in the summer. I might be wrong, but there you go. Well, it, it'd be interesting to see, obviously, because Minamino came in. Shane Long went out to loan on out on loan to Bournemouth. Um, obviously, Shane. I'm not even sure if Shane's even scored this season for Saints. To be fair, so um, Minamino at the moment scored once. If he plays against Chelsea and scores, that'll be two and three games. That'll give him a better goal-scoring ratio than Shane Long. No offence, Shane. Um, he's gone down to Bournemouth. So that'll be interesting to see what the Saints do if that happens. No, it's, it's, a, it's a hypothetical, obviously. But, yeah, yeah, know. but it's a fair comment. It's a fair comment to make. So anyway, moving on to the outs at Southampton, Mark. And um, Ryan Bertrand saying that he wants to stay at the club. Things look promising, but um, there will be avenues to go down. Yep, there probably are, um, Ryan. The avenue we'd like you to go down is the one where you've said you're happy to stay at the club. So sign the contract, please. That'd be great. Um, obviously, and also Josh Sims, um, Doncaster, it looks as though he could be going in there on the permanent. Um, let's hope he doesn't, but he probably will. And Southampton's hopes of offloading £15 million flop could be damaged by recent mishaps. Yes, Wesley Hoot, you've been outstanding in the last couple of... Oh, no, you've been rubbish. Sorry, Mom, I got it wrong. So, anyway, Mark, there you go. There's your free outs. So, basically, the Ram Burton one, at the end of the day, I'm fed up hearing all these articles about you know, he's he's wanting to stay at the football club. 
you know, I'm a bit like you at the end of the day. You want to stay at the football club, sign the contract. We can well, sort yeah, out, I mean, you know, we can sort out the other stuff. You know, you want to have a career after, you know, after your playing days or even before your playing days. You know, you want to have a career as a as a coach at the club. Fair enough, but we can sort that out later on. You know, the thing is, is do you want to stay at the football club, you know, or not? Um, and at the end of the day, you know, I'd, I'd love Ryan to say it. I do think he's he's still got, you know, two or three years maybe left in him, even at this level. But, and, and I understand, you know, that at the end of the day, he's looking at his options. But why make all the noises about wanting to stay? To me, it's just a no-brainer. But anyway... I'll move on from there. So, uh, to be fair, actually, I thought about I thought about Ryan Bertrand and Danny Ings' contract situations. The fact they both said, "Well, we've been offered contracts. We both want to stay at the club. We're, we're happy at the club." Yeah, um, I hate to tell you both this. We heard all this from Pierre Milhoubier just before he joined Tottenham. So you both might want to bear that in mind. Anyway, moving on, we're going to take a, a little break now at the end of this section, which we've just finished. And when we come back, we'll be doing the Two Saints preview of Saints versus Chelsea. But before that, we're going to cover Wesley Hoopmoff. And we're going to cover Josh Sims. And Josh Sims. Well, I did actually mention Josh Sims. You didn't actually get to that. Uh, but yeah, okay. Josh Sims Fair and enough. Wesley Hoopmoff. Fair enough. So basically, the thing with Josh Sims is that his contract runs out at the end of the, the summer. Um, and it doesn't look like, you know, Ralph's going to give him a way back in. And I have a little bit of disbelief for this one, much as I trust Ralph's judgment. But I sat there and I look at all the different people that we've tried down the left-hand side this 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 season, never mind any other season, but this season. And I sort of sit there and I think to myself, why was he? Why is he not considered an option in any way, shape, or form? You know what I mean? I don't think he's necessarily a problem child player. You know, he's not somebody who would say booty a goose, to be fair. You know, I've met him a few times and he's quite a quiet lad. Um, so it is a bit of a baffler. I mean, obviously, in Ralph with trust and he doesn't feel he's up to a standard. Um, what will be interesting is, is, I mean, Doncaster obviously are in League One. And they're go they were going fairly they are going fairly well, you know. But if if they don't go up uh, the playoffs, you know, because they've got Darren Murder as manager, and he he's assembled quite a decent uh, squad for League One. You know, obviously he's using his contacts from his playing days and stuff like that. There, but um, you know he's doing a good job. But the thing that you would ask yourself is is you know, does does Josh Sims want to commit to Doncaster Rovers? Or like how I feel, you know, I feel he could probably play at a higher level, you know, for a championship club. So it'll be interesting when he becomes a free agent in the summer, you know, who okay. decides the actual join. Because I yeah. would have thought, given his performances in League One this season, there'll be a few suitors that will be prepared to offer him. You know, a contract. I'm going to gloss over that for you. Moving on to Wesley Hoyt. 
Now, if you've seen his performances in the last few games, as sure as eggs is eggs, that lad is coming back to Southampton Football Club in the summer. And I'll tell you what, I think Saints from, for next season are just going to have to employ him as the tea lady because nobody is going to want to touch him with a barge pole if they've seen his recent performances for Lazio. And, and, honestly, it's it's made you look prolific as a footballer, Mark. I've got to be honest, Mark. I've got to be honest, I don't think Wesley would be very good as a tea lady. I've seen his legs, mate, and they're pretty awful. <laughs> I think he's found miserably as a tea lady. <laughs> but as, as I say, you know, it's... um, No, it's just... it's. Uh, I, I don't see... I don't see any option for the football club in relation to... He's got a year left on his contract when he comes back, right? So... The thing is, is do they manage to fix him up be a loan deal where they're paying probably the bulk of his wages? Because I can't, I don't, I don't see Lazio signing him, uh, right? Or is it a case of, you know, we pay up the last twelve months as a contract, or come to some mutual agreement, mutual agreement? But as I say, I mean, I just don't see how his career you know, moves forward with us in any way, shape or form and how they're going to find somebody to take him even on loan in his last year of his contract. As I say, I'll, I'll watch it with great interest because I'll be amazed if Lazio turned around and say, here's the five million, see you later. Well, we can always do one thing we've never tried to say. Could always try praying. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure where it's going to work with Wesley. To be fair, but we'll see. Anyway, we're going to take a very short break, everybody. When we come back from that, we're going to do the two Saints preview of Saints versus Chelsea. We'll be right back. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, the two Saints preview of Saints versus Chelsea. And last time out in the Premier League, it was a six-goal thriller, three goals apiece up at uh, up at Stamford Bridge. So it was Saints 3, Chelsea 3, Danny Ings 43 minutes, Shea Adams 57 and Yannick Vestgaard in the 92nd minute. Hassan all time. Now, Timo Werner scored in the 15th and 28th minute and Kai Havertz in the 59th. Um, and Theo Walcott obviously um, assisted Mark with the Yannick Vestgaard goal. We yeah. thought Walcott had scored and it turned out Yannick had got his head on it, sneaking yeah. a flick on the... But 3-3. Three, yeah. three. So, for me, I actually think this is going to be a stop-the-rock kind of performance for Saints. I think we might actually finally stop the rock. Six games on the bounce, we've lost. And I actually favour in a one-all. I think Chelsea are going to score, but I think Saints are going to have enough about them after a week's training to get something from the game. And I see it being one-all. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of concur with that. But I, I'm going 2-2. Um, I, I agree with you, Mark. I think the fact is that you know, with there not being a midweek game for the first time in God knows how long for Saints, it, it, it's actually a blessing. I'm more more from the point of view that it gives us a chance to regroup. Yeah. Um, he can refocus the team, you know, and he can he can work on a structure, you know, whereby we're playing Chelsea. I'm not yeah. saying that it's going to be easy. I mean, Chelsea have won, was it four of four of their last five games? Yeah, I mean, they're in four, four at the moment. 
four four wins and a draw. I think they've had under Thomas Tuchel. I mean, one of the one of the talent stats that I want to give to you, Mark, is that when Thomas Tuchel came in, Chelsea were on twenty nine points, and Saints were on twenty nine points, right? And they're they're now on that thing. I think they're on forty one or something like that now, or something like that. And obviously, we're still on the same number of points. So I'm 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 not, you know. And I think the fact that Rudenegers came back into the team because obviously there was a, I think there was a problem there with him and Frank because Frank didn't pick him. German international centre back. Why you not pick, you know why you not picking him? Um, but obviously he's came back into the team. But it's had a stabilising effect as far as I'm concerned. Um, but the th- the thing is, is like I said, it gives us a chance to focus, regroup, and, and organise ourselves for what will be. You know, let, let's be honest about it. I know we're at home, but it's going to be a difficult fixture. Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping Ralph's going to change the formation. I'm hoping he's going to go with three at the back to try and sort of stabilise things at the back because we've been a little bit rocky. So I'd like to see Salasu come in rather than seeing more prowess or anyone play at right back. And I'd like to see us play with three centre-offs. Whether or not he's going to go with three centre-offs rather than a flat back four, I don't know. I'm hoping he's going to go with three centre-offs but he's obviously going to employ the right people at wing-back. Now, what I will say is if he's going to put Gineppo at wing-back, we need a performance out of Musa for once. He needs to really put a graft in. And the other one for me, Minamino was very quiet against Newcastle. I think he needs to have a good game as well. Um, those are the key players for Saints, but whether or not they'll make an impact is here, is, is left left to be seen, to be fair. So what's your take on it? Who do you think the key men are for Saints? Um, do I have any key men at the minute? I mean... You know, given recent performances, I think if if Salasu plays, you know that would definitely be a plus for us. I mean, you know, I, I tend to agree with your thoughts. Where, you know, that let's not play with full backs and play free centre backs and flood the midfield. You know, I'd probably play a five-man sort of midfield, obviously with with you know wingers either side or whatever and then two up front but I mean look at the end of the day as I've been saying it's a good opportunity to regroup refocus and basically at the end of the day as long as like you say you know we get a performance and hopefully we stop the rot that's probably what the main aim is and that's what you'd be hoping for you know yeah definitely definitely well, I'm also hoping we'll get to see Shay Adams back up front with Danny Ings because no offence to Nathan Redmond, he hasn't think that he's done much over the last couple of games. So, you know, about Shay, Ralph says, well, basically, you know, I've still got faith that, that Shay's going to um, get amongst the goals. We ain't going to do that sat on the bench, Ralph. You know, oh, 100%. So, and the yeah, no offence to Nathan Redmond, but he hasn't done it lately. And I think Shay deserves to start. No, I mean, I, I go along with that, Mark, only only because I turned around and said, at the end of the day, if Danny Ings isn't scoring... Who's who's your other main main goal scorer? And it's Shea Adams. And even if Ralph feels that he's lost a bit of form, you know, I, I just turn around to think to myself, but he's a much greater goal threat. Well, the thing is, Ramart, Danny Ings. 
Yeah, Raph could use the argument. Other real goals yeah. that we've got. Well, Raph could use that argument. But you, um, also, people could turn around and go, "Well, in fairness, Raph, James Ward-Prowse hasn't played particularly well in the last two or three games." But you're not hauling him off the pitch. No, you off. Why would you haul Adams off? You know. But then you're you're not going to call the club captain off the pitch. And well, no, I'm just saying thing, that, you know. Well, Mark, the other thing you've got to ask yourself as well is right. If you were to do that, who do you replace him with? There's God knows. To be fair, God knows. You know what I mean? So, like you don't get injured. But there you go. But yeah, so just to yeah, let's hope let's hope I robot let's hope I robot doesn't break down. But just to recap, before we knock this on the head, I'm going 2-2. Two, two. I'm going 1-1. One, one. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. So, Ralph, if you're listening, one will be great. Thank you. Stop the rock. That'd be brilliant. So, that brings us to the end of the Two Saints podcast show for today with myself, Mark C, and my co-host, Mark H. So, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. And I just want to say to everybody, please take care of each other. You know, stay safe till... Till you get vaccinated, look after yourselves. You know, care for one another. Um, Absolutely thanks right. For less, thanks for listening, people. Absolutely right. And same as we say every week, please join us again next week when the two Saints go marching in again. And hopefully the team will do the same. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.